This morning is the seventh of a series of nine talks you're having through Ephesians. And uh, if we could have the, the first uh, no, 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 the first slide up, please. You've jumped. That's it. Great. Thank you. And the title given for today is Walk in Purity. Um, Older translations use the word walk to mean the whole of your life. And uh, if you've been used to the authorised version, the King James Version, then over and over again the word walk, when it comes, doesn't just mean walking on the road. It means the whole activity of your life. And the 37 verses in that reading that we had in two parts have one theme, that disciples of Jesus should live totally different lives to unbelievers. And Paul explains what this life of purity looks like by using five pairs of words which will help us to remember the message. And at the end of the service... Uh, I've got a little slip of paper to give you which is a sort of summary of the talk with the references so you can take it away and study it again. So first of all, in verses four, chapter 4, verse... No, we've jumped again. No. Go back to... It should be Ephesians four seventeen to 24 is the first one. That's it. We're there. Jolly good. Right. And the the words, the pair of words is from futile thinking to renewed minds. In verses 17 to 19, Paul says that unbelievers are futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding. Unbelievers are separated from God, so their minds, their thoughts, their attitudes are dark and their hearts are hardened. That's what he says in uh, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the hardness of their hearts. And he says that that kind of thinking leads inevitably to immorality, leads inevitably to a life of sin. I want you to remember this, this is really important. What Paul is saying here is that the way we think controls our behaviour. The attitude of our heart is really, really important because it tells us how to live. Jesus said the same thing. He had a conversation with his disciples. The Pharisees were saying that uh, the... uh, The most important thing was what you did in terms of your rules and regulations about washing your hands and all the different outward observances of the law. And Jesus said, no, it's not what goes on on the outside that matters, it's what's going on on the inside. He actually said this, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery so paul is saying what jesus said that what we think and feel inside will express itself in our behavior and so paul in this first part then goes on to say in verse 20 
You didn't come to know Christ that way. You were taught to put off your old self and be made new in the attitude of your minds. Can we have the next? Paul said the same in Romans 12. Romans 12 verse 2 in a modern paraphrase says this. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould, but let God remould you, your minds, from within. And John Stott, the famous Anglican preacher and theologian, commenting on that, said this. If you want to live straight, you must think straight. And if you want to think straight, you need your minds renewed by the Holy Spirit. There was a, a a style of, a brand of teaching that we heard a lot about in the 70s and 80s in charismatic churches, and we were one, that said, don't try and think and understand things. Just relax. Let God the Holy Spirit do wonderful miracles. That's dangerous, unbiblical nonsense. We have to think. We have to love God with all our soul, our heart, and all our mind, said Jesus. If you ever read a book or hear a preacher say, don't think about it, just flow with God, be warned, that's dangerous. Paul is saying, and Jesus said, we have to think straight. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to renew our thinking. We need to saturate our mind with the word of God. And Paul says in Philippians... Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We need the Holy Spirit to change our thinking so we think like Jesus, so we think godly thoughts, so we our attitudes are changed on the inside. Do you remember what I said to the children in, in the children's talk? Jesus healed him on the inside. He forgave his sin. He saved him from his sin. But he also changed his heart and his mind. That's what we need to do. Secondly, Paul uses another phrase, which is from falsehood to truth. In verse 25, Paul says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So Paul is saying that this purity, first of all, it's the way we think that matters. Now he's saying it's the way we speak that matters. Speak truthfully. Get rid of angry words and unwholesome talk. Be honest and truthful about your possessions. Steal no longer because that's the op- if you steal, you're really living a life of falsehood in terms of your possessions. Can we have the next part? I want to read the words that are on the screen. Now, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. We need to be men and women of truth, not falsehood. 
Isn't it awful when Christians tell lies? Years ago, I was preaching in Bridge North Baptist Church, and uh, I was talking about money and our attitude to money. And just as an aside, it wasn't in my notes, I said, so we have to be honest about filling in our tax return. And then I just carried on talking. I don't know why I said it. Well, I do now. At the end of the service, I was in the porch saying goodbye to everybody, and a, a man came, and I'd never seen him before, and he was on holiday in the area. If you don't know Bridge North in Shropshire, wonderful place to go for a holiday. Beautiful, beautiful place. And this man, he just shook my hand and he said, thank you, thank you. When I get home, I'm going to have to redo my tax return. That little word that was an aside, that I didn't know why I was saying it, spoke to that one man, a Christian, who suddenly realised that actually truth is to do with tax returns. Do you get it? From falsehood to truth. Truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. And then we come to a verse which seems to be a sort of, um, almost a little aside. In verse 31 he says, um, sorry, in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll see later on that the Holy Spirit is a very key part of Paul's message here about purity. And it's as if Paul has got to this part, he's talked about renewed minds, he's talked about truth, and then he says, oh, by the way, if you don't live like that, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So, the first pair is from futile thinking to renewed minds, secondly, from falsehood to truth, and now we move on from malice to love. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. From malice to love. We are commanded to love God. Jesus said, people out there in the world will know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another. Isn't it terrible when Christians gossip? Malicious gossip can do a lot of harm. One of the things I love about being at Forefront Community Church, it's it's a church that just doesn't seem to have gossip in it. I've noticed that since we've been there. there there's a sort of a lack of that sort of niggly backbiting that ruins a lot of churches. And Paul is saying this life of purity, to walk in purity, means we resist, we put off malice and bitterness and rage and gossip. We put it off and instead we love like Jesus. Jesus epitomizes kindness, compassion, forgiveness. When God began to build the church in Bridgenorth, 
we suddenly discovered that all sorts of needy, broken, damaged people were turning up in our church. They just appeared. (laughs) And several of them, after just being there for two or three weeks, would say things like this to us. We feel love bouncing off the walls of this church. And we said, really? Really? I, I don't know what you mean. God was doing something new among us, giving us a love for one another that was tangible. In fact, when we began to experience the Holy Spirit in a new way, we didn't call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We weren't used to that kind of language. We were just a Baptist church. (laughs) We called it a baptism of love. It felt as if God was coming and giving us a love for one another and a compassion and a kindness and a forgiveness from malice to love. Love Jesus. That's a pure life. The next pair is from darkness to light. Beginning at verse 3 of chapter 5. By the way, you notice that the reading didn't stop at the end of chapter 4 and then start at chapter 5. The the, the chapter headings aren't part of the original. Paul didn't write a letter with lots of numbers in the middle of it, did he? It was a letter. And so... This passage just flows. So, But from what we call verse 3, Paul says, Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. And he goes on to say that all of that is darkness. In fact, in verse 8, he says, We were once darkness. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? But it's true. Paul describes what the darkness looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. And he says that all of these, verse 11, are the fruitless works of darkness. Now if I'd been preaching this 20 years ago, I would have probably at this point talked about pornographic magazines. Nowadays it's internet porn. Did you know that that's a real (coughs) trap for many ministers and pastors, church leaders, in the privacy of their study? Isn't it disgraceful that there's been so much child abuse among church leaders? And we, from our kind of church, we can sort of look and say, well, it's it's the the Catholics, it's the Anglicans. No, it's not. It's, It's in every church. Sorry to say that. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Disgrace to the gospel, a disgrace to the Lord. And Paul is saying passionately here, look, you've got to get rid of all of that stuff and live in the light. Can we have the next slide? We've got to climb the ladder and get out of darkness into the light. How do we do that? Well, we'll, I'll explain that in more detail in just a moment. But for the moment, I just want you to see the contrast. Paul challenges his friends in the church at Ephesus to live godly, righteous lives. And he says, if you do that, (coughs) verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. If Christians really live godly, pure lives, it will challenge 
the society around us. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We don't do this to be, you know, sort of self-righteous, not at all. We do it as a reflection of who God is so that the world may see what light looks like. The next one, and the final one, from foolishness to wisdom. In verse 5, sorry, in verse 15 of chapter 5, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul is calling us to live wise lives. In James chapter 1 verse 5, James says, If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you. And an important part of this wisdom is verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Yes, that's right. Do you feel sometimes that life is so complicated you need some help in getting wisdom? Well, yes, that's true for all of us. We have to ask the Lord to give us wisdom. An important part of that wisdom is verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can I just say that I think it's next week you're going to be going on and looking at relationships. Uh, the verse numbers aren't there in the original either, nor are the paragraph headings that's been put in by the translators of the Bible. Verse 21, submit to one another. Then it says in my Bible, wives and husbands, and then verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. There's, there's something wrong with that. Submit to one another is true for husbands and wives. Husbands who are bossy, arrogant, macho men who tell their wives what to do haven't read Ephesians 5 verse 21 we can't expect our wives to submit to us husbands if we don't submit to them too because that's what the scripture tells us to do do you understand that that's part of wise living I'm taking next week's preacher uh, or next, the next preacher in this series but hear me that's really important but the most important thing I want you to remember is that putting off foolishness includes a rejection of drunkenness, verse 18, and an openness to the day-by-day -day filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you all know that when it says in verse 18, instead be filled with the Spirit, the correct translation is, instead be going on filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a process. It's a day-by-day -day experience. In other words, Paul is saying, don't depend on alcohol every day. Depend on the Holy Spirit every day. Instead, he's not saying that being filled with the Spirit looks like drunkenness. David Pawson, the great Baptist preacher, when he was expounding this, said, no, 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 no. It says, don't be filled with, don't be drunk on wine. Instead, in contrast... Be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day by day. So, 
Those are the five phrases. From futile thinking to renewed minds, from falsehood to truth, from malice to love, from darkness to light, from foolishness to wisdom. And that brings us to the last slide. Does that seem impossible? Well, replacing sinful habits with godly habits does need our effort and our commitment. We've got to put some effort into it. We've got to seek God day by day by day. But the Holy Spirit is with us, in us. And he's the one who changes us to be like Jesus. And so that lovely verse from the Old Testament is quoted there. Not by might, not by power, not by my might, not by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Paul sums the whole thing up in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29. The final And this is what Paul says in Colossians. He's talking about his ministry and he says, I have to really work hard at it. To this end I labour, struggling. The Christian life is a struggle sometimes, isn't it? Do you you find that? Or are you all finding it ever so easy? It is a struggle. But Paul says, to this end I labour, struggling, but I struggle with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Do you see, Paul is cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He's putting in the effort, the commitment, the regular prayer time, the study of the word, the the, the servanthood. He's putting all that in, but he's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit who is within him. So, the Holy Spirit is the power to make this possible. He is the one who renews our mind. He is the one who is the spirit of truth. He is the one who pours the love of God into our hearts. He is the one who brings the light of Jesus to us, growing the fruit of the spirit. And he is the wisdom of God. So, how do we live a pure life? Well, it's a matter of cooperating with God, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this amazing letter. And Lord, we, we want to live in a way that pleases you. We want to share Jesus with the people in our community by our words and our lifestyle. And Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of us to seek your face, to be more committed in prayer and worship and study of your word. To be more committed to fellowship with brothers and sisters and be open to hear you speak to us through our brothers and sisters so that we may live a life that pleases you. And most of all, we thank you for the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit to live with us and in us, to empower us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.